Hi, I'm Juliana Capone from the National Music Center. And I'm Jamie Cote from the Last Panel Podcast, and you're listening to Witch Police Radio. This is the brain episode. Wait, what am I supposed to say? <laughs> Come on, you can do it. Have fun. Okay. Welcome to Witch Police Radio. Hey, this is the first time we've had all three hosts back in for a long time. Long times. So this is your regular host, John. Sam. Rob. And we're joined by two guests today in the Blanket Fort. Um, Juliana. So I'm Juliana Capone. I'm a publicity coordinator at the National Music Center in Calgary. Uh, hey, and I'm Jamie Cote. I, uh, I'm a host on the Last Panel podcast, uh, comic book podcast, and uh, I'm a computer engineer. And today we're talking about brains. Yeah, our <laughs> randomly generated theme word, brains. So for anyone who hasn't listened to the show before, the way it works is uh, we had that word and we all pick songs that relate to the word in any way we can make a connection. And that kind of just gives the episode a bit of structure and uh, yeah, keeps things moving. So we're talking about brains. We're also talking about what each of you are doing. So um, I don't know which one we should start with. I think we should just start with you because you're from out of town. Sure. <laughs> yeah, let's go for it. Or you're from here, but you're, you live out of town. Yeah. Right? Is that, yeah. So, so yeah, I moved to Calgary about seven months ago to work with the National Music Center. Um, the National Music Center is essentially a music museum, although we don't really like to call it a museum because it's unlike any other museum in the world. Um, we have a collection of over 2,000 instruments and artifacts, um, but it's a living collection, which means that artists can actually use our instruments cool. in the creation of new music. Um, in the spring of 2016, we're opening a new facility, so we'll have five floors um, that tell the story of music in Canada. We'll have a 300-seat performance space, we are part of the restoration of the King Eddie Hotel, which is like one of the oldest blues clubs in Canada. So that will function again as a seven days a week live music venue. Uh, we will also have a recording facility, a radio station. So it's going to be amazing. And there, again, there's nothing like wow. this in the yeah, world. Yeah, I was checking. Really out the, cool. Yeah, I was checking out the website before we started. Do you want to just throw it out if people are listening? You yeah, can, uh, so maybe check the, it out while they're listening. The website is nmc.ca, and um, there's lots of information about the project. And you can also sort of follow along as the project develops. We're 35% complete on construction, and we're expected to open in the spring of 2016. The plans of it that they have on the website look incredible. Yeah, it looks like really I cool. I can't yeah. wait to visit yeah. it when it's done. Yes. Like it looks so cool. I want all of you to come visit us. <laughs> wow, just so, based on the description alone. Like. So you say, like, the instruments are going to be... Uh, available for use is it going to be like are there going to be like things like you know how like that there's that Banff arts like yeah exactly yeah. so you have like maybe like musicians come in and, and make music or for sure so in our current facility we have you we've had about two artists and residents per year and our new oh, facility cool. will be able That's to good. have upwards of 40 artists oh, wow. and residents per year so some of the artists that have previously come to visit us were um timber timber uh, their album Hot Dreams, uh, they use some of our instruments from our collection oh, wow. for that album. Cool. So just with our limited capacity, we're, all, we're already helping to create amazing music. So in the new facility, yeah, there's going to be a lot of artists, both national and international, that will use our collection and use our recording facility. That's cool. awesome. Is, mm-hmm. that, is that unique to Calgary or is it based on something that uh, exists elsewhere? No, there's nothing like this in the entire world. It doesn't, it's not actually characteristic of Calgary. I think that the only thing that is distinctly Calgarian is sort of the visionary spirit behind this. Like, I don't know if this could happen anywhere else in the sense that Calgary is sort of a place where it's like, if you build it, they will come. 
Are you guys going to incorporate that huge uh, ski jump that's just outside Calgary? <laughs> no. No. Okay. We should. Oh, make some wicked. Say you get into the building. Probably generate an echo. Yeah. Right. Make some wicked tunes with it. Yeah. 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 Totally. You mentioned there being like a a focus on Canadian music? Yes. Is the So with the artifacts that are there, are yeah. they... Yeah, they, they've been... So the way I can just sort of describe that is we'll have different exhibitions, and so we'll approach exhibitions thematically. So we might have a theme of innovators. So one example could be like we would focus on uh, Gargillies, uh, the man oh, the behind Garnet Amps. Garnet yeah. Amps. Yeah, yeah. Hmm. So we would sort of use our collection of Garnet Amps to talk about the Winnipeg rock sound of the 60s and 70s. Oh, cool. Nice. Or we would have something like uh, we have the Rob Wave organ. So Rob, his name is Frank Morse Rob, and he created the first commercially available uh, modular synthesizer, I think, if I'm correct. Um, and so he's from Belleville, Ontario. So cool. he would be another innovator that we would talk about in our exhibitions. Mm, that's awesome. Mm -hmm. that's super cool. And it's cool. Yeah, neat when you, well, I guess we've all heard of Garnet Amps, but other names for people that you might not appreciate are Canadian or what they might have contributed to, uh, to music. We, we, we like to say music in Canada because some of the stories may not, they may not necessarily be by Canadians, okay. but right. they could have occurred in Canada in some capacity. Right. So we, yeah, we like to say music in Canada. Okay, so this new center is opening probably spring of 2016. Yes. And how long has the current, like, how long has this place been in existence? So I believe that it's been, it's been, it's existed in various incarnations. So I believe that it, I think that we existed in our current space for the past 13 years and so it's gone through various evolutions like it's it started as like a small collection of keyboard instruments and then it grew to have expanded programming so there was like tours and then I think that the seed was sort of planted to start the National Music Center after um, there was this a celebration of 100 years of music in Alberta in 2005. And after that, our CEO sort of thought... <laughs> there was only 100 years of music? <laughs> it seems like it would have been horrible. Yeah. Alberta been around Dead for? Silence. Yeah. That's the, this is the truth. Um, there probably was, I guess that was all that was documented up to that point. Or how old's Alberta, I guess? Well, it's got to be, a, you know, older than that, I think. <laughs> I don't know. How old? I yeah, guess could, it would be. It could be. Who knows? <laughs> like Manitoba's like eighteen something, right? So there must have been like sheet music on cave paintings or something, or something, right? <laughs> Perhaps. Like, but that wouldn't have been Alberta. That wouldn't have. Wow. Okay. Anyways. <laughs> so, <laughs> stupid. So um. So yeah. So then our CEO sort of thought, well, like nobody's documenting, like no large cultural institution is documenting yeah. the story of music in Canada. So why don't we? Why don't we try and do that? Mm -hmm. So in uh, 2012, we were redubbed the National Music Center. In 2013. We broke ground in the new facility, so here we are today, and we're 35% complete, so it's happening. Mm -hmm. That's really mm -hmm. awesome. That's really cool, yeah. What goes into, I mean, uh, as, far the as far as the artifacts go, are there people kind of traveling all around Canada, or is that, are they already been obtained? They've already been obtained, but I believe that we're still sort of always looking for new acquisitions. Right. Like, mm -hmm. for instance, uh, one of our n newest acquisitions, or we acquired last year, was the Tonto. So it's an acronym <laughs> yeah. for the original new timbrel orchestra <coughs> it's the largest analog synthesizer in the world it's a beast um, yeah yeah we see john's eyes lighting up i was well, I, it was on the website yeah. and it's like a, a room that you have to walk into <laughs> but the, wow. the reason we acquired this was one of the creators malcolm cecil i think it was like sitting on a sound lot in hollywood or something and he didn't want it to be behind glass like he wanted it to mm. be used to create new music yeah. and that's how we were able to get that and so there will always be those opportunities where we're able to get these really rare instruments to be used for new music. 
huh. through those mm-hmm. sort of means. For, yeah, when people want them to be used for their purpose. Sure. But in some cases, like we have one of our large artifacts is the Timbrel or the Kimball Theater organ. It's like I don't know, 10 meters, and it can replicate like 25 different instruments. Mm-hmm. And that was just sitting in some guy's basement, I think. Oh. And I think it was just a matter of like, hey, I have this. If someone can come get it, you can you can have it. So there's lots of interesting stories about how we've acquired some of these instruments and artifacts, for sure. Well, is that part of the, I imagine that's part of the exhibits too, right? The, the story behind it? I hope so. I don't know how all of the exhibitions are going to unfold, because we're still sort of figuring that out. Well, but I, I certainly hope so, yeah. yeah. Cool, this all sounds very exciting, and Mm -hmm. uh, we'll maybe um, determine my next trip to Calgary. Yeah. I'll wait for (laughs) that to be ready. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So we're here on the Witch Police Radio with a theme of brain. Mm -hmm. Juliana, do you want to throw to a brain-themed song? Sure. So working at the National Music Centre, I've kind of been falling down this rabbit hole of Canadian music, and recently I've been obsessed with the garage rock that was coming out of Canada in the 1960s. So I was thinking of bands out of the Yorkville scene, so bands like the Ugly Ducklings, um, a band called, uh, or artist called David Clayton Thomas, who released a song in 1966 called Brainwashed. So I would like to hear Brainwashed by David Clayton Thomas. Cool. Let's check it out.
right, we're back. That was awesome. Yeah. That was super good. Good picture. That really unexpected little break there. That was that little piano breakdown. That was huge. Yeah, that was cool. So those guys, you said those guys are from out of Toronto. Toronto vicinity. They're part of the Yorkville scene of the 1960s. And what other bands were part of the Yorkville scene? So the Ugly Ducklings, a band called. Let me see if I have this correct. Jack, London, and the Sparrows. He was kind of like a replica of a British Invasion Act, but I think he was actually from Oshawa. Okay. Like, he had a fake British accent, apparently. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And I can't remember, but if you want to go down that rabbit hole, you definitely should. Lots of good music. Cool. There's lots of really... I feel like... um, I mean, I know this is my own, like, obsession with reggae, but there's tons recently in the past, like, five or six years, a bunch of Toronto reggae from the late 70s, early 80s kind of got unearthed that, I mean, people there probably knew about, but, I mean, like, the Noel Ellis record, which I listen to all the time, yeah. that was from Toronto in, like, the early 80s. That Noel Ellis was from Jamaica. He was, we lived in Toronto. Oh, did he? Yeah, and there's, like, a bunch of other guys around that time who came from Jamaica to Toronto, and they like, a bunch oh, of it yeah. issued. so I'm sure some of this stuff, same thing, it's, like, mm-hmm. someone finds it and is like, oh, this is amazing, I'm going to put it out. Oh, yeah. And then, yeah, so, Canadian music is awesome. I agree. Yeah. Actually, I find that uh, oftentimes, like, uh, because I travel to Seattle so often for work, yeah. uh, I'll end up talking with, you know, American folks just about music and whatnot. They're like, oh, what are you into? And I'll mention a couple of acts that I like, and, you know, they're just like, I've never heard of that. And they're huge here. Yeah, or they were huge yeah. at some point. Like, yeah. just stuff like Age of Electric or, like, Glue Leg or whatever. Yeah, and they yeah, just yeah. be like, what? So. Well, I think you could ask, like, a, someone of a certain age here, and they have no idea what those are. Either. No, I guess that's true. But it's just <laughs> in general, like, yeah, guys, yeah, no, guys, guys that are my age that, yeah. that say, oh, what did you listen to when you were in high school? Yeah. And I say, oh, these acts. And they're yeah. just like, ah. Who's that? Yeah. Yeah. A friend of mine was in a, a Paris, or I'm not sure if it's Paris, but some bar in France, and they were playing uh, Crash Test Dummies. Oh, weird. Oh, wow. <laughs> and they were like, and, uh, yeah, and he was, they were, like, asking the guy, the, guy who was playing the music about it and he, the guy had no idea where they were from or anything he just loved the music and they're like oh, <laughs> yeah. we're from winnipeg that's where they're from and it was like this funny story yeah. about crash test dummies it's a good story it's <laughs> <laughs> a small world yeah, yeah. but uh, we do have a, another guest here so we should maybe talk to jamie about what he's doing um i guess like just for for background i, I was in a band with you 15 years ago or so? I guess uh, it was 15 years ago. Yeah, ago, yeah. probably. Called Grandpa's Army, which I, I, you know, I talk about all the time because I can't let it die for some reason. But uh, GA was good fun. I it mean, was fun, yeah. I haven't seen you in... Well, you were also in the Barrymores after that. I was in the Barrymores And I was in there that. very briefly as well. Yeah, when it started. at, at that, the beginning. Yeah. It wasn't your scene, though, I don't think. No, I didn't like it. Yeah. <laughs> no, no yeah. sir, I don't like it. Yeah. But <laughs> now, I mean, that was a long time ago, too. Yeah. And now you co-host a podcast. I do. So what can you tell us about the podcast? Uh, well, uh, our podcast is called The Last Panel, and it's a weekly podcast that talks about uh, everything really in the comic book industry. So we talk about uh, the current uh, comic book movies, comic book TV shows, uh, comic and print, whatever you know is, is hot and happening, we talk about it. We also do uh, feature reviews where we'll talk about a specific uh, book or, an, or a, a specific creative team, and then we'll review uh, the work that they do. Yeah. So, I mean, that's pretty much it. It's weekly, weekly, and uh, we also have a website, uh, www.thelastpanel.com. And on there, we also have companion pieces, blogs, opinion stuff, whatnot. Do you have a regular, is it like you and some other people that are regular? Yeah, we have, actually, we've got a, we have a cast of five. That's a room it's full. Huge. Yeah, it's yeah. a room full, yeah. yeah. There's, a, there's myself, Andrew and Ryan, and Ashley and Jessica. 
So, uh, and all of us kind of come from different uh, comic book backgrounds. We all read different things growing up. As some of us are, you know, diehard, like 30 year grizzled Marvel fans. Some of us are DC fans. Some of us are a little everything in between. So, is that, is that cause for controversy? Actually, no, it makes really for really good discussion. Uh, I mean, right now, pretty much all of us just pan DC most of the time because uh, their universe is great, their characters are great, but the company's politics are terrible. So it's hard to to want to, like, you want to love them, but you can't because they make really bad choices. One thing that I was, I mean, I've listened to your show and you definitely all seem, especially when you're talking about the, a book that you've all read, you seem very informed and like, uh, the one thing I was wondering, though, when, I, when you, you first told me you were doing a comic podcast, I thought, okay, that's cool because you're obviously into it, but... I mean, that's, it seems like comics and just general kind of, I hate to use the nerd term, but it's like the most overextended podcast genre out there. I mean, there's 700,000, I'm not saying this is an insult to your show, but what do you, I mean... Wait, music is... No, <laughs> the, amount of, the amount of like comic book podcasts and movie podcasts and uh, gaming podcasts and things like that, there's, really? there's tons of them, tons of them. Okay. So, like, did you take that into account when you were starting it, like a way to make yours kind of, like, what do you do to make yours stand out? Because I think it is different than, like, Hey, we read these comics. Let's get drunk and talk about it. You know, it's, it's not that, but I mean, I don't know. Did you did you even consider that at all? When you not really. I mean, honestly, the way that the com the the podcast kind of came together is that uh, me and a, a bunch of our friends really enjoyed comics, and we would chat about them, yeah. and we would just we were like, hey, we have really good conversations. We should re probably record these. That's pretty much how this started. Yeah, <laughs> and we're just we're just all comic book nerds. We love different genre, different like genres, different styles, different things. Yeah. Like we all have. Uh, varying tastes and we bring all of that to the table so I, I think what makes us stand out mostly is the fact that you know we are willing to talk about anything or read anything and we're yeah. not willing and we're not we're not uh, reserved in our opinions if we hate something we're going to say that we hate it if we like it we're going to say that we like it yeah and this, this is fairly new I and mean, what are you like six or seven episodes in we're, yeah, we're about six or seven episodes in now uh, we just we just uh, recorded our um uh, favorite books uh, and f least favorite are our best and worst of 2014 yeah. episodes. So it's two separate episodes. We have our best episode and then our worst episode. Cool. Uh, and those will be coming up uh, in the next couple of weeks. Cool. What's, um, so I have a question for you. Sure. Um, when you say comparing the Marvel and DC universes, mm -hmm. how, um, like how, how much do, do different writers stick to that universe? Like, what does what does that mean for the, there to be a Marvel universe and a DC universe? Is there different like laws of physics in them? Or like, no, <laughs> I'm just, like, just kind of it's because I hear that term like with comic book people thrown around, and, I just and especially with movies and stuff too, it comes up. Yeah, so like, what yeah. exactly does that mean? Okay, so uh, the DC universe is interesting because it it's a multiverse in the sense that there are multiple Earths with multiple timelines. Infinite Earths. Most uh, infinite Earths, yeah. <laughs> Crisis on <laughs> yeah, Infinite Earths. Yeah, yeah. But um, so uh, in around 2011, DC decided that uh, it was it, their their books were inaccessible to new readers. So what they did is they created uh, 52 new titles called the New 52, and they started. Yeah, they rebooted everybody. They kind of just rebooted everything. Like Superman, Batman, everybody yeah. rebooted. Yeah. So I mean. <clears throat> The majority of the stuff in the New 52 right now is taking place on Earth Zero or Earth Prime. Uh, and then there's a whole bunch of other multiverses and they kind of glue together in big events such as Multiversity or Crisis on Infinite Earths, stuff yeah. like that. Uh, Marvel uh, largely uh, has, I mean, has largely been one universe. There's also like the Ultimates universe. Hold on, but sorry, just to stop you there. <laughs> yeah, do, yeah. do characters in, when, multiverses, when the multiverse thing happens, do characters in those comic books um, like do they are they aware that 
this multiverse thing is happening, or is this in some cases yes, in some cases because no. there's alternate so versions like, themselves in some of these. Right? Most like, of the time, if you oh. pick up a DC comic, most of the time, if you pick, most of the time, <laughs> if you're picking up a DC comic, it's going to be one universe, Earth Prime, and you really don't need to worry about it. Okay. Uh, um, uh, in the New Fifty Two, there's a lot of series that kind of cross over with each other, mm -hmm. so you you really need to read them in parallel. Batman, uh, Batman and Robin. Uh, uh, Nightwing. A lot that, of those. That's not new though, right? Because it used to be like, I mean, I, when I last actively read comics was like around the time of the reign of the Superman. And there was like, you know, uh, so many different Superman books that you had to pretty much yeah. follow all of them. And I mean, when you're reading, it'll say, oh, see, you know, Batman issue yeah, 17 yeah, yeah, yeah. for the explanation yeah. of that. Yeah. I mean, some people find that inaccessible and, and DC does that a lot. Yeah. Uh, I find Marvel does, Marvel does a lot better job of kind of keeping things in a line. Okay. So as a comic book fan yourself, how do you how do you decide what you're gonna what you're gonna pick up? Because there's, I mean, if you got multiverses happening, you have, like, I mean, DC and Marvel alone just have like massive amounts of characters and massive amounts of individual titles and stuff. And if you're, you know, you're doing a podcast where you're discussing comics, how do you? And you have five people, like everyone has different tastes. How we, do you decide on that? We 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 all kind of pick basically. So we'll sit there and say, I would really like to do an episode on. The new She-Hulk, Charles, right. the Charles Soule She-Hulk. Okay, great. So we'll all read the Charles Soule okay, She-Hulk, okay. and then we'll come to the table ready to talk about it, well, what we there, like or dislike. Is there a female Hulk called She-Hulk? Yeah, She-Hulk. She's been around since the seventies. Actually, actually, interestingly enough, Charles Charles Soule's kind of like derogatory. <laughs> actually, it isn't though. Charles Soule's She-Hulk is actually one of the most empowering books that has come out of Marvel in a long time, and it was sadly canceled. Oh, really? But uh, Jennifer Walter, she's she's a lawyer. She's a superhero. She's pretty much well, everything yeah, in between, right, yeah. she, and she's incredible. And, and the she's book green. actually, yeah, and the book actually shows her trying to start her own law practice and her helping out other superheroes and stuff like that. It's it's actually really good. Like it inspired a lot of folks. There's does she get like? Does she get like? Um, <laughs> does she, what? <laughs> You're asking good questions. I like them. I lost my train of thought. Uh, ah. What what does she do? Does she, um, does she get like like? Cause, so she like transforms into the She-Hulk. Most she's of the, so she's almost always, like, she's almost like, always She-Hulk. She like she almost oh, right. is, she she actually like practices law like <laughs> as, as <laughs> She-Hulk. She yeah, actually, see if I can bring up an image of this. It's because just so I was gonna see. say because she gets angry at the patriarchy, <laughs> and since the patriarchy is all always surrounding us at all times, she's always, always ah. <laughs> yeah. That's her secret. She's always angry. Yeah. Well, the one thing I, I thought was interesting, uh, not about She-Hulk, but about listening to your your comedy, your your podcast, is that I think it was in the first episode you guys were talking about you know what your background is in comic fandom and stuff, and some people were saying they were into Archie comics and stuff like that. I think that's kind of cool because if you think comics, you think superheroes is yeah, what yeah. you assume people are gonna be talking about. But then like the fact that there is all this other stuff out there that people are like you know newspaper comics, Archie comics, Dick Tracy, whatever. Like people are into, yeah, you know, it's, it's true. Awesome. You talk about Dick Tracy. I talk about Dick Tracy all the time. Yeah, yeah, man. Yeah. With his uh, with his two way wrist communicator. Yeah, yeah. All right, well, Jamie, well, while you're looking up uh, images of the She Hulk, let's uh, <laughs> let's throw to a song. <laughs> sure. Yeah, what did you What did you want to play on the brain theme? theme. So uh, I I chose um, I chose "Eat My Brain" by Vancouver's The Odds off their 1995 Good Weird Feeling album, which was Juno nominated actually. Which uh -huh. goes in well with the Canadian music thing we were just talking yeah. about. Yeah. Uh, right. Who won the Juno? The I don't I don't know who won. It wasn't we should, them. We should look that up. We should, we should look, look it up. It's probably uh, tragically hip. It always is. <laughs> Yeah, on what uh, well deserved. And yeah, and sure, the yeah. reason why I chose them, I mean, obviously because Brain is in the title. But uh, when I was, I mean, I've always had a soft spot for Canadian like power pop, Canadian yeah. alt rock stuff like that. Um, 
you know, so bands like the Doughboys and and stuff like that. And uh, the the odds, I really liked the first time I listened to them because I had seen the video for Heterosexual Man. Yeah, and kids, kids in the Hall were in yeah, it, yeah, and yeah. that kind of got me into them. And then I listened to then I listened to Bed Bugs and listened to like you know someone who's cool, other stuff yeah, yeah, like yeah. that. And you know, I, I was like, oh wow, this is like a you know this is a solid album. And um, Actually, Good Weird Feeling is their third album, but it's their, I think it's their software release, their, pardon me, their <laughs> sophomore, their software, their sophomore release yeah. on a major label. Uh, and it was the more uh, critically popular one. And the video was what pulled me to this song. Three in my brain, yeah. Well, yeah, because it had, uh, what was it, uh, Tom, um, Tom Wilson from Junkhouse yeah, is yeah, yeah, driving yeah. in this, like. black and white, too, right? Yeah, and he's yeah. driving this, like, big, like, souped up, like, pickup truck or whatever and chasing them down because yeah. they stole his gas. And, and like and then like they're sitting on the side of the road by an ice cream parlor and like Mo Berg from Pursuit of Happiness pulls up and they roll him for the car because like the pickup truck is coming and then they eventually end up in a junkyard where they take the gas that they had light it on fire and whip it like at him to get away which you know makes you wonder what the hell was the point of stealing the gas in the first place if they got time to sit on the corner singing and harmonizing yeah. with each other with a gas can what was well, the deal steal right? the gas video. so the whole video was neat to me like I yeah. never really understood what, what the the, the concept of, of it was but there was a car chase and there was artists from other bands I knew so That's it was like awesome hey song. yeah and it's a rad song
back on Witch Police Radio. Yeah, that was awesome. It's a good song. Yeah, so it's it's a classic, good Canadian, good, tune, good Canadian tune. tune. Yeah. Sure is. Yeah. Yeah, like I said, I really like the I really like the dirty kind of guitar sound in that little outro solo. Yeah. I really like uh, I I love that outro solo actually, and I I really like the vocal harmonies that this band puts together. They're simple, but they they're effective, and uh, that's one of the one of the things I actually look for a lot in music is yeah. vocal harmony. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's cool. I mean, I never. Like, yeah, I only ever heard them on much music. Just like the singles. So yeah, 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 really yeah, But I like them. Yeah, I like cool the singles. Band, yeah. I just, yeah, I never listened to a record of them. I think we've talked about this before on one of the older like episodes about all these Canadian rock bands from the mid '90s and how I think it was because I saw Fifty Four Forty. Fifty Four Forty and yeah, I saw yeah. them at the casino and it was amazing. And like they're many many years past their prime, but it was still awesome. And and like I'd see the odds. I'd go. Yeah, see the and like, like the Doughboys, for example, yeah, who yeah, were yeah. probably. Uh, some of the best, in my opinion, vocal harmony for like Canadian rock bands of that time. Yeah, 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 like, yeah. I mean, it was simple, almost like No Effects, where one of them sang a, a straight straight note and then somebody else harmonized yeah, yeah, over yeah. it. But but it, it was good. So they were uh, in 1996. They were up for Group of the Year at the Junos. Uh, who'd they lose to? Blue Rodeo. That makes sense. I'm sure. Yeah, Blue yeah, Rodeo's probably. You know, and they were up against the Headstones, the Rankin Family, and the Tea Party. Oh wow! wow. That's, That's all. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Sums but up, you can probably uh, guess what year that was just based on the Canada in the 90s yeah, yeah, almost. For sure. mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. Group of the Year, that's a weird category. I that's weird. I see. I see. <laughs> yeah, they were also nominated for Best Rock Album. Against two. Oh, okay. uh, for Good Weird Feeling. Uh, I don't know. I'm just looking at the artist summary on the Juno oh, website. Yeah. Did they, um, did they win and Songwriter of the Year as well, sponsored by Sirius XM Canada. I don't think that's the real Juno. <laughs> uh, it's it's there. Okay. Well, I mean, like, it's just like it's just like it's just like the Grammys and stuff, and there's oh, all yeah, those like other categories that you have to go to the website to hear about, like like you know like best best radio oh, albums. Oh yeah, like the that ones stuff. that aren't televised. Yeah, yeah exactly. Sure, yeah. 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 So there's probably a pile of Junos that get handed out that don't get. Oh, there are. Yeah. There, there's a whole night of it beforehand. They do the. Uh, oh, that's right. And then there's like a bunch of the, the main ones, because uh, we knew guests of the show. Jesse Matus was at that. Yeah. Uh, dinner. No, yeah, and, I remember. Jesse and they hand out. Yeah. And Owen Sheldon when he was on. Yeah, Sheldon Got was there too. And I, I was actually at the Junos when they uh, yeah. when the Junos happened here, like not the most recent time, the time before. I was covering the um, the the, the pre night, the first night when which wasn't televised. So that's when like best African album was given out, best reggae album, best uh, like polka, whatever, like just the the, the non like I guess. So almost the perfect night for you. The best stuff. You, you love obscure stuff. You like you love well, like, you love, love well, no, but you love the categories that that are not mainstream. I don't know. Like I don't polka? Know. <laughs> I, yeah, the stuff I like usually doesn't fall in. I guess. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So. But yeah, know. from what I recall, the the pre-show thing had most of the, like it had like the artist of the year and stuff. Although I didn't, I never yeah. watched the. Well, when well, we had, so we, I, know, I think Ken Mode when they won, I think it was like not on the real night too. Like mm-hmm. on the. I haven't watched that's that unreal to me. Yeah. That, that that's unreal to me. That I mean, Ken Mode. We used to play with them. Yeah, like, yeah. Jesse, like in in the cow suit, screaming into the microphone, like. Open for them. Yeah. Cool. Memories. Yeah. Good old Canadian <laughs> music. No, that's awesome. Um, I don't even know what to say about it other than like it was a cool band. Mm. I think that's one of those bands that's been forgotten though, really. I mean, like I don't know a lot of people who are like pulling yeah, up their odds records. Do, and maybe, I guess they're not doing the uh, well, we were Casino t- Tour. They reunited actually. They we did. were they working did. With, yeah. with the booking agency. The they new were one odds. of our artists. Oh, really? So we were booking tours. Yeah, the new odds. Yeah, oh, yeah the yeah, new yeah, odds. Yeah. yeah, because they, they went on hiatus and then they lost rights to the name. <laughs> so they, they came back as the new odds. Okay, because like them and the Spin Doctors could do like one of those uh, <laughs> boat shows, and I'd go. Oh, like a, like a cruise? Yeah. 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 Spin Doctors. That's that's thing. I don't know. I don't know any Spin no, Doctors song behind like, thing, like, beyond like Little Miss Can't yeah. Be Wrong and, and like Two, two Princes. princes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
And Jimmy Olsen's Blues bringing back to the comic book. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah, yeah. the album was popular for Blue Kryptonite. That's right. That's right, it was. Yeah. All right, so we're going to keep it. Uh, <laughs> Sounds like some funny talking about comic books. Canadian contented. Are we not? With a are going to be contented with yeah, Canadian? Yeah, so um, I'm going to play a song by this guy, uh, Sean Nicholas Savage, who is a guy from, uh, well, I think he's from Edmonton originally, but he's based out of uh, Montreal now. And um, he, the reason I know about him is because I uh, saw him open for the doldrums at the Windsor a couple years ago. And um, he was, he like, when you hear this song, I think people who know me might be surprised that I chose it. Like, I think Sam's going to hate it, for example. And really? Sam and I usually have uh, similar tastes. We often music. agree on things, yeah, yeah. But I think the reason that I like this guy <laughs> so <laughs> much is... No. Uh, except for like ska and SoCal punk, I can't. Fucking yeah, I know you can't. But other yeah, but other than that, we usually have similar. We're tastes. usually pretty yeah, 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 pretty good. But yeah, um, uh, yeah so the Maybe. reason the reason that um, I got into this this guy's music, despite uh, it kind of being different from what I usually listen to, is is his performance at the Windsor because it was like in front of like twenty people, and. You know, he's up on stage, and he's kind of like a, a weird, goofy-looking guy. And, like, he's up there with just with, like, a shitty Casio keyboard, and he's just, like, singing these songs. And it's just, like, it's so crazy and, like, you know, I hate the term, but it's really just this DIY fucking thing. And I think at one point he did, like, a Mariah Carey cover. Like, it was just really weird. And then in between songs, he's, like, he's reading poetry. <laughs> oh, weird. And I actually really liked his poems, but... <laughs> You know, he's he's at the Windsor, and it's like, there's like 20 yeah. people there to see the show, and then there's just a regular, like, rabble at the Windsor. That is this before the Windsor drunk. became, like, the Windsor? Or is no, it this was, like, the Windsor was the Windsor, yeah. but it was, like, it's after the Albert died or whatever. Right, okay, that's what I was going yeah. And, uh, but, you know, there's some just, like, drunk people there who are just getting drunk at the Windsor, because that's what people do. Yeah. Yeah. And so, like, like he's, yeah. he's, he's trying to read poetry, and people are just fucking, like, yeah. fucking with him so hard, and they're just, like... <laughs> getting in his face and going right up to the stage and it's like at first he's like kind of playing with them and he's like uh kind of joking with them yeah. and trying to engage them but then you know it turns a little bit aggressive <laughs> and uh and so it gets to the point where he's just like okay i'm not gonna read any more poetry <laughs> and uh i just i thought that was like a really great winnipeg moment yeah, right because sure, it's yeah. like you kind of got this like artsy kind of weirdo from Montreal coming in to play at a downtown Winnipeg bar doesn't really know what he's getting himself yeah, into. For sure, yeah, yeah. And you know, that's what happens. But uh, you know, after the show he like came off stage and he was like introducing himself to everybody and he you know, he was a cool guy and I went and looked on his band camp after the show and he's got lots of albums and he's a really great songwriter and uh, you know, i think his aesthetic is something like his musical aesthetic is something I kinda I actually kind of needed to get past to appreciate like how good his music actually yeah, yeah. is like it's really well crafted and it's it's really it's really good stuff and um so let's listen to how the song how does it fit the brain theme it's the song is called um rain in my brain <laughs> right, so there you go It will rain. 
yeah, so that was uh, Rain in My Brain by Shaw Nicholas Savage. And uh, he's like... Um, an all-around hit here in Witch Police Studios. Yeah, everyone liked good. it. Yeah, it was yeah, really good. I liked it. I loved it. He, uh, yeah, he's not like... I hear his name come up every once in a while, like if I talk to people about bands in Montreal. Like his name comes up pretty often. And he, like Matt from... Um, who works at... Uh, like Matt Klitschewski, yeah, yeah. who's in that band and is also works at uh, Music Trader. Trader, put him on, like, put one of his albums on his top albums in 2014. Oh, cool. And, and uh, I So he gets around in, like, Yeah, he gets circles, around. Like, yeah. And I remember I was, in a, I was in a music store in Montreal once and his album was playing. So, like, he does he does pretty well for himself, I'd say. But, uh, yeah, I, I would suggest if, if, if you like that song, go to his band camp because he's got a few albums and they're all really well-crafted and really good stuff I think that I understand why you thought I wouldn't like it I did like it I think what I liked about it is it doesn't sound I think if someone did that sound and was kind of like sarcastic about it and yeah, not, not exactly, earnest about it like yeah. he seemed like he was and that's what you were saying right it's really earnest if it, yeah. Yeah, it, you could t- uh, someone you can, faking it would annoy the shit out of me you can hear someone, it in you know, his like, voice yeah like it's yeah. super earnest someone like look at me I'm doing a silly song you know that would be yeah that would, or like I'm look at me I'm playing a fucking ukulele yeah exactly that's <laughs> yeah. not really what which it is which is like a million people do that on YouTube all the time look Man, at me I'm doing ukulele the thing is though the ukulele can be a really heartbreaking instrument if you've got a good like if you've got a really good no no if you've got a really smash it over no like seriously though if you've got a really yeah, a yeah, really yeah, soulful yeah. singer and a really like a really good melody like I've heard some haunting ukulele yeah. covers I mean, of some it's, amazing it's, it's, tunes it's an instrument like, he right? actually reminds me of an Edmonton artist I can't think of the name of that artist right now but it's like he like he's Montreal's answer to this Edmonton oh, yeah. artist well he you know he's from <coughs> he's originally from Edmonton I'm pretty sure I swear to god they're friends they have to be friends <laughs> he might even be like maybe I I might be uh, completely I off the internet immediately yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like maybe or do you think it's the same person no maybe I don't think it's the same person okay. I think they're friends okay. the multiverse <laughs> it's the multiverse yeah it's, yeah, it's coming back yeah. um, this is the version of him on an ultimate because I guess now that I think about it maybe form. I just yeah. assumed yeah. he's based in Montreal maybe I don't know that for a fact yeah it's just this is okay, just we'll we'll learn about it and then come back do you just want to go to yeah can I yeah do a thing okay we'll figure it out when we're in the break here between songs but um I'm going to play something that uh, is probably not surprising to anyone. It's a song by Sizzla, who we've played on the show before, not for quite a long time, though. And uh, the song is called Babylon Used Them Brain. So Brain, obviously, is a connection. And it's a song uh, by Sizzla featuring Capleton, who are kind of two artists that are often um, like combined. People always think of them as sort of the same kind of thing because they have very similar styles. They, have very, they appear similar. They, have, they both have turbans, giant beards. They have a lot of the same lyrical content. And do they hate? Do they hate white people equally as much? I think Sizzler probably hates white people more. Okay, but or he's more vocal about it. But <laughs> um, one of the first dancehall records I ever got was um, an album by Capleton called I Testament, and it came out in 90, 98, I think, and it was a terrible album. It was really bad. Uh, it came out on Def Jam. And they were trying to do the, you know, crossover. Was that like the Island Def Jam? Or yeah, was that just an Island Def Jam. Yeah, okay. they were trying to crossover hip hop and dancehall, which they've tried to do so many times over the years, and never really worked, right? And this one was particularly bad because his content, his lyrical content, is really, really, like, basically like a religious fundamentalist, and it doesn't really work with like some, you know, mid '90s like Puff Daddy beat or whatever they're trying to do, you know, yeah. that kind of style. Yeah, right? shut up all. They just talk nonsense. They, yeah, they need, they need. He's not a pop artist, right? So anyway, um, on that album there were two secret songs. And one of them was this Babylon used in brain, and it wasn't listed anywhere in the credits or anything, so I had no idea what it was. It just came on after the, after the album, and it was amazing. And I had no idea that Sizzla was on it because I didn't have any, 
any reference. Then I heard this uh, a few years later, and I realized that oh, it's the same exact same song on this album and the other album, and it's awesome. And uh, this uh, Sizzla, who uh, whose album this is, he has about seventy albums, and he's thirty eight years old. I remember you so mentioning him to me in the you, past. You can do them like I mean. Do you think he writes lyrics, or do you think yeah. he freestyles? Well, this I was kind of. The reason he has seventy albums and he puts out two or three a year is because, uh, first of all, I don't think he edits for quality. I think he just puts out whatever. But he, he also, um, both these guys have a very, very kind of simple lyrics. Generally, like they, they basically it's praise Rastafari, fire burn all the heathens. Every <laughs> single song on every album. So he's got like seven hundred songs, where it's just that. Both of them do, right? So this song is actually uh, a l- very different, and it's actually a lot more thoughtful lyrics. Like, and it, I really like kind of the way the song goes because it's not about that. I mean, it'd be so easy for them to just do like uh, again. Every other song on here is about that, you know. But this one is. Um, he's basically there at the beginning of the song. It sounds like they're praising Babylon for being so good at being oppressors. Like they're talking about slavery and they're talking about like you know basically every type of horrible oppression that's happened over history, and they're like you're using they're praising them for being so intelligent as to come up with ways to oppress other people, and uh, they kind of switch, it, it kind of like turns the tables on them and says like you're t- so smart at being assholes that you haven't it hasn't occurred to you that the people you're oppressing are smart enough to turn the tables on you, mm. so it's it's kind of an interesting concept it's because it comes across as positive towards. Babylon, which is like the exact opposite of what they usually sing about, and then you get the switch, like you know, you guys are underestimating us, and we are going to take over, and you know, all that stuff. So good song. Cool. One more time, I don't know Only Mount Zion, that's where the foundation built. Wait till listen, you know, so everything that the full before it spins. Oh Lord. Well, make them know Babylon why you scrape, you spill. What we don't have, every get a youth will can't take. Oh, oh, no, no, better be still. And left from Boyaka, your gun and Tronil. Hey, hey, yo, why you scrape, you spill. What we don't have, every get a youth will can't take. Oh, oh, no, no, better be still. And left from Boyaka, your gun and Tronil. Oh, yeah, man. Babylon, you them brain to the so you them figure down the drain Babylona, you them brain They mark out of me so all of them are broken Babylona, you them brain Them all the fight against German Them my ship in cocaine Babylona, you them brain But them can not say that my name are going to burn in a flame Oh, what a agony and oh, what a shame To see my black brother going all down the drain Oh, what a crisis. 
this you would cry face so this could ever come with them kit just to take every bit nothing man I know you are the boss for your kit but how I say hey you won't believe in me to tell them now could them could they adopt the board and practice now I see them on the face and them own off of it hey 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 you're not being kind I've watched you up but now you leave us behind now something drop from your back nothing not touch it cause of mine what you want to also no forgive we every time So you them figure down the drain Babylon, use them brain They mark hard it is you like them a broken Babylon, use them brain Them all up against germ and them a ship is broken Babylon, use them brain With them genocide all my them a go burn in a flame But this is one thing I cannot overstand Plan. You know the school and the college and the institution The curriculum that I get is European I teach me about Marco Polo and Napoleon I teach me nothing about the River Nile Bank Where civilization it began You said thou shalt not steal and should not kill no one Still you steal treasure eyes and then you teach yeah, one yeah, Slave and you murder all my dad and my mom But we kill Babylon and you will love to burn so yeah, it was uh, Babylon Used in Brain from uh, Black Woman and Child, which is Sizzler's best album. Uh, in my opinion, I haven't heard all 70 of them, or whatever one he has, but, uh, <laughs> like, this is his second album, so this is kind of right when he was uh, still, I think before he became absurdly prolific, like, he was just, you know, he wasn't putting out seven albums a year or whatever, and, um, sorry, uh, yeah, like, what he does now is, I don't usually pick up his albums these days because they're not good. Like, he uh, he really has no ability to edit his own music to, like, for song selection, like, I mean, he, I think Who he just... puts them out? Like twenty different labels. Right. That's the problem. Like he because because he he's so prolific. I mean, the right one label is not going to do it all, right? So his best albums you can kind of tell based on the label, because you I mean if it's VP or Greensleeves, which are two really big reggae labels, you know there's going to be some level of quality there because they're not going to just put out whatever. But then it's like Jetstar or something or like you know number one like. Do those records come into record stores in Winnipeg? The big ones do. The big ones. The ones on Greensleeves on VP, and then he did some stuff for uh, Damon Dash's label. Oh, really? Like, at one point, it was really bad. Like Again, recently? attempting to cross over, like, like, ten years ago. Or what? eight years ago. I don't know, something like that. What, like, uh, Rockefeller? No, it was, like, Dame Dash Music or something. Oh. It was, like, his attempted... It was bad. And, like, the... the Sizzla is very known for basically walking around with a turban and robes on and stuff. Like, he's, you know, he's really into the Bobo Dread thing. And, like, uh, that album, he's wearing jeans. And it looks ridiculous, and he's got chain, gold chains on his. It wasn't like it's like one of those, one of those like guys he still has a turban where he's wearing like jeans with his shirt tucked in and no belt. Yeah, it's <laughs> like, like a dress one. shirt. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Hey, you know exactly a, what I'm talking about. I have a question yeah. for you. What are the tenets of Rastafarianism? Well, these guys are not just regular Rastas, though. These are Bobo Dreads. <laughs> so they are like incredible. It's basically like a fundamentalist version of that, right? Like, it's they wear turbans. All, all, this guy, Capleton, Anthony B., there's a whole bunch of them who are like really, really high profile dancehall artists. And it's all, um, I mean, the, the basic thing is that Haile Selassie, the emperor of Ethiopia, is, well, he's dead now, but he was a living god. 
and basically he's their messiah figure. Is Rastafarianism though? Is it like based on Christianity? Yeah, it's it's taking Christianity. So it's taking the Bible through the perspective that um, black people in the diaspora, or however you say that word, are the actual um, like Israelites from the the Old Testament. Okay. So it's like taking those stories of the Exodus the and everything, the Hebrews, and putting that's black people in the West. That's black people from coming from slavery. So Haile Selassie is like a like a god on earth the way Jesus Christ was. Yeah, he's like he's a messiah figure. And it's because um it's really complicated. This is something Mark, Marcus Garvey said. Marcus Garvey is another seen as a prophet. He's a big big figure in the religion, right? I mean, cuz he was advocating back to Africa and repatriation and stuff in like the 20s or everything. And he said something at some point that like look to Africa where a black king will be, like, your guy to, you know. So, shortly after that, Haile Selassie gets crowned emperor of Ethiopia, and um, that was kind of, like, for a lot of them, that's the sign that, oh, this is the guy we need to uh, we need to follow, or whatever. But uh, these guys are a really, really extreme version of that. I mean, there's a lot of them who, you know... I mean, someone like Bob Marley, you know, who obviously had a lot of religious content in his music, is not even close to this. I mean, this is, like, super orthodox, like, I mean, the way they dress, the food they eat, like... What does uh, marijuana have to do with it? It's from the Bible, too. There's a thing about... Uh, I don't remember what the actual thing is, but about God making the the the, the herb for man or whatever, mm. and so it's it wasn't like rosemary. <laughs> well, like, I don't I don't know I don't know, but yeah, it's like that's a big part of it, and uh, like the the I mean the costume, the way they dress for sure. Like you can't you, you know they can't cut your hair first of all. The hair's all you know tied up. Like women have their hair's heads covered, and like it's uh, and like he, he Sisla lives in this place called Judgment Yard. Which is an amazing name for a place you live in. It sounds awesome. <laughs> but he has his own studio there. He has all these guys who just hang around with him. Like, I don't know what they do, but it's like, posse. Yeah, yeah. And I, I've seen videos of, of him like recording stuff there. He's got a studio, and, and it's just like a million people hanging out. It's almost like a commune. It's this weird. It's it's almost very cult like, you know. Like it's uh, yeah. these particular guys because they're so so crazy into it. I mean, the problem with listening to some of his records is it gets annoying after a while because every single song is like just about praising Rastafari. And they're very into, um, it's very Old Testament-y in the sense that like burning the heathens, like it's, you know, fire and brimstone, all that stuff. It's not very, uh, it's not very friendly, like Jesus-y, like, hey, let's be, love thy neighbor. It's like, fuck thy neighbor because he doesn't believe what I believe, so he's going to burn. It's that kind of thing. So, I mean, it's kind of hard as a non-religious person to get into sometimes because it's like, this is this is crazy. <laughs> like, But, I mean, it sounds really cool and I obviously don't agree with, like, you know, he hates white people, for example. Like, I'm not cool with that, but no. the songs it's, are good. It's kind of, it's kind of like, weird thing where it's, like, I like extreme, like, religion in music. Like, yeah, so do I. And I don't like religion in general. But, like, yeah, in life, and then yeah. In, real, in real life. Like, if I met someone as religious, like, for example, like, one of my favorite rap records is the first Kill a Priest record. Right, which is and super religious. That, that al- yeah. yeah, that album is all about Christianity. Yeah. And I love it. It's yeah. so awesome. But yeah. if I met someone in real life who was saying that shit, <laughs> yeah, I'd be like, be, you're fucking yeah, crazy. for sure. <laughs> I think it sure. has to do with the fact that the f- their faith uh, drives them to be earnest in their music creation yeah, and, to, and to take risks yeah. and to say, you know, say what they truly believe in. So it, then it turn, in turn, it, it, you know, makes great music. But if there's no music behind it and you're standing on the street, exactly, and somebody's like, believe what I believe or else, you're going to yeah. be like, well, go but That's basically yourself. what this is, what yeah. we just listened to, you know. <laughs> But, but I also, yeah, but I, I, you're right. Though, yeah, yeah. I also think religion is a, gr- a great metaphor, right? And I, and I appreciate like Christianity as, as like a metaphor, or like, but when you, yeah, when you start taking it too seriously, that's when it's yeah. it's weird. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah. Like I, I think that 
It is. It is. Bec- I mean, I listen to a lot of a lot of gospel, a lot of country gospel, things like that. And like, I'm you know, I'm not religious at all. And I, it really is that. I think the reason I like that stuff and I don't like Christian rock or Christian punk or any of that stuff is because this stuff seems like almost maybe even the more extreme stuff seems like they're more sincere about it. Like they actually believe this, like they believe the shit out of it. Like they really believe it versus I'm just writing a song about Jesus because that's what genre music I play and that's what I'm supposed to do. Like I don't think if you talk to Sizzla, if sat down and talked to him, that's what he's going to talk about. Like I don't think he has anything else he wants to talk about. I think he... He yeah. wants to talk about this. That's like why you talk about why you're going passionate. to hell. Why I'm going to hell because I'm a heathen. Yeah, he's like, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So I mean, because you you were born with the wrong type of melanin in your. Well, it's not even that. Skin, it's because right? I don't. It's because I don't. Uh, I don't believe. You know, I, I don't believe. Don't believe all sorts of reasons. Exactly. Yeah. 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 So yeah, there's a lot of reasons. <laughs> a lot of reasons I go to hell. Yeah. But yeah. So I mean, I don't know. I I I don't agree with any of it, but I can respect the passion behind it, yeah. and I think that makes good art, whatever kind of art it is. I mean, even if it's something crazy, if you believe it hard enough. You, it's gonna come out, yeah. And so, and this, is, you know, it's pretty crazy. But all right, well, which police radio? And we have two guests here who are each, I think, gonna play another song. Yeah. Uh, Joanna, why don't you? Sure. Throw to another so one. So my next section is not. It's a little bit convoluted. I didn't approach it in the literal brain sense. When I started to think about the theme, I started to think about the '60s and mind expansion, and artists related to mind expansion, psychedelic drugs. And I wanted to try and incorporate an artifact in the National Music Center collection. So the artifact that I thought of was the Buchla Box. Uh, the Buchla Box was uh, the original PA system in the bus further, which was the bus that the Merry Pranksters oh, yeah. would ride in on psychedelic road trips. And I started to sort of speculate Hold what... Hold what, what is that? No? The Merry Pranksters. Okay, I don't know so what that is. Okay, so the Merry Pranksters were a group of writers, artists, musicians, beatniks. Uh, some of those people included uh, Ken Kesey, uh, the author of One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest, uh, Don Buchla, the so inventor of the Buchla box. Okay, so they weren't Canadian? Sweet. No, they weren't Canadian. So the connection there is that it, the Canadian connection would just be that it exists in the National Music Center. It's <laughs> <Okay. laughs> not actually Canadian. Okay. Um, and who else was part of it? Uh, the What's his name from uh, the Grateful Jack Dead Kerouac's books? Um, one of yeah, I can't remember that man's name, but one of yeah. there's like a character, a recurrent character in Jack Kerouac's books that was one of the Merry Pranksters. Yeah. But I can't remember his name. So, anyways, there was a group of people that were proponents of psychedelic drugs, and so I started to think about what they might have listened to on one of their psychedelic road trips, and I thought that they would probably maybe listen to. Uh, Purple Haze by Jimi Hendrix, particularly because one of their trips was to Woodstock, so that's what I would that like makes to sense. hear. Cool. It's a solid track.
was uh, that was good, Jimi Hendrix. Um, it's pretty psychedelic to see that they would probably listen to something like that. Yeah. I, I also kind of think, I'm rereading this book um, recently, it's called uh, The House of the Train Built, it's about Impulse Records, which is like my favorite jazz label. Yeah. And they put out a lot of the really, really kind of out there, avant-garde jazz stuff. Mm -hmm. And there's actually a bunch of stuff where they're talking to the hippies and things, and they were, like all these guys in those hippie bands were super into Albert Ayler and John Coltrane and Archie Shep and stuff, because it was just like, you know, like going in outer space with. Uh, yeah, you think about what yeah. Jimi Hendrix was, yeah, doing on a guitar. I'm sure he was probably listening to some of that stuff too. What do you say? I mean, he's probably listening to Coltrane and everything. You know. Yeah. Yeah. What do you think about uh, Andre 3000? Playing Jimi Hendrix in yeah. the movie. Oh, I, I heard that that movie isn't going to have any of his songs. What? I heard they, 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 I heard they didn't get the rights, get the rights to the songs. Uh, what? Yeah. I don't know if that's true, but I, I remember hearing this that's at the time. Weird. And I thought, why would I want to see that movie then? It, what, yeah. it was like, <laughs> like an unofficial. Because there was that shitty one like a while yeah. ago. That was and like a was TV just, movie. I think it's the same problem. Oh, really? Did are they, they not have the songs either? <clears throat> no. I don't remember. Are they just going to do like loosely based covers like all along the boardwalk and stuff? Like, I think it's just going to be like some kind of random blues jam or something and he's like, you know, or, or, I don't know. Maybe they'll just, just try to avoid that whole part of his. The music so, part of his <laughs> like Orange Haze? Yeah. Dance yeah. around yeah. it. Yeah. I don't know. Hmm. <laughs> is that coming out? Is that already out? Like, Yeah, it seems like it was like been in production for seven years. Yeah, maybe it's not coming out. I don't know. I think that happens with a lot of, a lot of stuff. Like a whole no, but I've movie. seen because like the way the like, movies you know, work mm -hmm. and like trying to sell things and make money. Like th I think a lot of things get made and never get never see the light of day. Maybe I don't know. Or never get that far. Maybe. Yeah. yeah. They never should have put out that fucking interview movie. You think it'd be funnier <laughs> if they didn't put it out? What the interview? Yeah. I'm so sick of hearing I, about it. Yeah. Thanks for all of yeah. <laughs> bringing it up again. No, yeah. Everyone's got to hear about it on this show. Anyways, um, <laughs> I saw an American Pastors on Jimi Hendrix. Oh, really? It was really good. Oh, did you? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know what's a shame is that um, he's dead. <laughs> he'd be dead. By yes, now, that anyway. is a shame. Yeah. Uh, Sasha Baron Cohen didn't. Freddie Mercury. Yeah, like that would have been perfect. It would have been right? Why couldn't he? Because they wouldn't. Because the other guys in the band wouldn't let Sasha Baron Cohen too goofy or whatever. Yeah. Well, not too goofy, but they wouldn't let him like like do it real. So they wouldn't they wouldn't let him like do like the cocaine and right, all right, that yeah, stuff yeah, and yeah, all like yeah. the gay stuff. Oh, so it's stuff. not like a Sasha Baron Cohen thing. It's like having no. He was actually going to play Freddie Mercury. Way, yeah, he was going to do. No, it. was Sasha Baron Cohen wanted to play Freddie Mercury and it was his project. And oh, oh, okay. And then the other guys in Queen. Vetoed it because they were amazing, oh. and they were like working together for a while. And then finally, Sasha Baron Cohen was like, "These guys aren't gonna let me make the movie I want to make." Yeah. Yep. I think Mika would play a good uh, Freddie Mercury as well. I'd say that he's one of them. I vaguely know who that guy is. He's, he's like the modern. He's like a modern Freddie Mercury, in, like in in style and sound, in who? my opinion. Uh, Mika. I know the name, and I think I may have heard one. I don't know. I did not. Yeah, isn't he like Greek or something? Or? Yeah, he's something like some that, kind of. Or, yeah, you're, yeah. Somewhere in Europe. Yeah. Hmm. Anyway, I don't know if they should even make any biopics on. I always find that whenever they do, like I, I always watch them if it's someone I like, but they never, it never seems right, you know. It just you can always tell it's some guy playing. You can always tell it's Jamie Foxx playing Ray Charles. You know, yeah, that, that, that was a good one. It was a good one. I, 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 no, I am. I'm not. I'm that not was way better than the Walk the Line. Yeah, it was. Uh, that yeah. was terrible. But it, it didn't. You know, the I, best thing about Walk the Line was Walk Hard. Because yeah, that movie was yeah, so funny, and it's like I haven't seen it. Oh It's worth seeing. It's so good. It's so funny. It's like after you see Walk Hard and then you see like Walk the Line, it's just like you can't help but laugh. You at keep walking. waiting for Tim Meadows to jump out. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you don't want any of this, man. Yeah. 
Anyways, yeah. that's a good movie. Yeah. But you know, you know what I mean, though, right? Like, I mean, as a Ray Charles fan before, it was awesome that they made a movie about him. But like, it just seemed like I couldn't get over the fact that it was Jamie Foxx. Okay, so th- there's this guy, this sportscaster, like this ESPN sportscaster, who has, who had this theory that uh, Ray Charles isn't really blind. Oh no, it's Stevie. No, Wonder. Stevie Wonder. Stevie, Stevie Wonder. Wonder. Yeah, there's Stevie Wonder Truthers. There's a whole movement yeah. of Stevie Wonder Truthers. <laughs> but the, the fine, I, almo- I almost find that whole thing like kind of offensive because like there's different, <laughs> bit, yeah, there's different, le- there's different levels of blind, right? Yes, there is. So yeah, he yeah. could be legally blind and, and still, still be able to see. Yeah. Yeah. But so there's like footage of him like With the microphone stand. No, well, there, yeah, the microphone uh, stand is the most damning one. Yeah. He's at a, the Paul McCartney concert, yeah. and Paul McCartney walks by him and knocks over. Oh, a mic the guy stand. that Kanye West discovered. Yes, exactly. Yeah, okay. And then like. Stevie, Stevie Wonder catches, catches the mic, the stand, mic stand. Yeah. Oh, nice. and then he's like regularly goes to basketball games. Yeah, <laughs> yeah they have the pictures well, of that. But it's yeah. like you could totally be like legally blind and yeah. still be able to see. So yeah, it's yeah, yeah. yeah. No, and this, no, yeah, because especially if you're on stage, you've got crazy bright lights shining on you, and you've got a black. Yeah, if you're partially yeah, blind, you can shadow. probably yeah, see. Yeah, what's yeah, yeah, like, yeah. It all I'm depends. It all depends on how you're how you're visually impaired, right? But you should be giving those basketball tickets to someone else. Why not? Yeah, whatever. Maybe he likes. Maybe he likes the the, the squeak. The sound of cleat. The sound of like. I like uh, yeah. rubber on rubber yeah. on hardwood. Yeah, yeah. Okay. I don't know. We should maybe uh, let's find a Stevie Wonder truther and bring him on the show. Obviously, Skype. Skype. We don't want them in your basement. Yeah. But um, for yeah, so this has been the uh, the brain episode, and uh, we do have one more song to play. But before we do that, we should um, let our guests kind of plug what they're doing and uh, remind us where we can find. What they're up to. So, um, where do we find the museum? If someone in Winnipeg, especially, you know, they're not going to see it because they're not in Calgary, um, it's online. Where do they go? Yeah, so the National Music Center, we are opening in the spring of 2016. If you'd like any further information, go to nmc.ca. Is it, but is it currently open in its. Well, in our current facility, we, we're, we've just started to sort of shut down. Oh, okay. Uh, like, we, we shut down our tours on December 28th. Okay. So you can no longer see any of the collection. Mm. Because and of the construction of the new one? Exactly. Yeah. And it, t- well, it takes about a year for us to actually move all of the artifacts okay. to the new facility, which is crazy. Um, and then our performance space, we're shutting down in September of 2015. So you can come see a show, but that's about it. What kind of shows would you have? All kinds of shows, every genre. Like in our current facility, we have punk shows. We have we had a, a really interesting show during Sled Island Jerusalem in my heart. Did a um, <clears throat> a show with like some Eastern Ara- like Arabic sort of instruments, and there was like visuals as well. These like I don't know, 60 millimeter film, mm-hmm. um, and then yeah, hip hop shows, any jazz shows. We've had we have the something, can't remember what it's called, something Jazz Summit we have there. Um, cool. So, anything. Cool. Yeah. Is that is there, is there Facebook and Twitter and all that stuff for... Uh, yeah. So, Facebook, backslash, NMC Canada, Instagram, Twitter, the same thing. Cool. NMC Canada. Cool. Mm-hmm. And, uh, Jamie, your show, um, how do uh, people find that? Oh, one, one thing we should mention, actually, is that you are going to be joining up with the Garbage Hill Network. Yep. That's which right. is a where you can find our show as well. I mean, one of the places you can find our show is the Garbage Hill Network. Garbage yeah. Hill Network, which is uh, you just kind of say Garbage Hill Network. <laughs> I know, I talk fast. I talk fast. It took yeah. me a second to know what you were saying. Yeah, yeah. 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 it happens. Um, <laughs> but yeah, the Garbage Hill Network for people who are unaware is just kind of a hub for finding really cool local DIY radio and podcasts uh, from different types of shows, comic book shows, music shows 
pop culture shows, uh, there's a wrestling show in there, whatever, and that's at garbagehellnetwork.com, and you guys will be up there probably by the time the show comes out, which is cool. So uh, Yeah, uh, the page is, uh, I think I think uh, Devin's announcing it tomorrow. Awesome. Okay. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, by the time this comes out, people will have found that. Yeah, absolutely. But will you have your own website as yeah, well? Yeah, you can reach us, you can find us at www.thelastpanel.com. You can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash the last panel, sorry, facebook.com slash the last panel podcast. And we are also on Twitter uh, at the last panel. And you can also find us on Tuned In Radio. Cool. Uh, and uh, yeah, I mean, if, if you're a beginning comic book reader or if you're a grizzled veteran or you're somewhere in between, we're probably going to have something for you. So check us out. Awesome. And if anyone for some reason wants to hear our old band, it's all homewitchpolice.com. It's like a huge archive of basically every Grandpa's Army song ever recorded and the very first Barrymore's demo. Which uh, you played on. Yeah. Yeah, so that's there too, if someone wants to hear that. For and the first album, which I played and the first, on. Yeah, the first album, yeah, yeah, I wrote yeah. tracks on both that's not That's not on the website, though. That we don't have no. it for download. No. Did you get, uh, did, were you involved in that song that was in the Super Bowl commercial? That uh, was the Afterbeat. No, that was the Afterbeat. Oh, the and that afterbeat. was many years later. That was, that was, that was oh, okay. a Bud Light commercial or something, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah that was like weird. That. Yeah. But uh, if people want to hear our show, you go to witchpolice.com, hit the podcast button. There's the previous 100 and whatever episodes for free download and streaming. We're on Facebook. Uh, Witch Police Radio at Witch Police FM on Twitter or on Instagram and we have uh, some highlights from some of our shows on SoundCloud and I uh, really like to encourage people to check us out on a Stitcher Radio uh, I know iTunes is a lot of people's preferred method for listening to podcasts but uh, we were recently uh, on the top 100 Stitcher um, podcast for the music commentary category which is really cool like right below Danny Bonaducci. Bonaduce <laughs> <laughs> <The> <laughs> some really weird like you know fairly big names so that was cool what was the so other one we it were was uh, Aoki yeah, Steve Aoki. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah, so that's we were a couple the guy sp- we should be A couple spots behind that's, him. That's, that's somebody to beat, man. Steve so, Aoki. Yeah, so, yeah. I mean, like, I don't know who's listening or, you know, on Stitcher, but uh, obviously people are, and that's cool. So, you know. Uh, that's awesome. Yeah, I'd like to see that. I'd like to beat Bonaducci at least. That'd be cool. I want to beat Steve Aoki. <laughs> let's, let's, yeah, so people should go on Stitcher, download the show, subscribe to the show. It's free. It's a good way to listen to the shows. And, uh, yeah. All right. So, Jamie, you're going to take us out with one last uh, brain-themed tune. Yeah, uh, so I chose LL Cool J's Mama Said Knock You Out, uh, yeah, you know, because when you when you get knocked out, your brain gets rattled around your, your skull. Um, and I, I chose this track specifically because I really like a lot of the history behind it and how it was created. Uh, it's a just it's a really cool thing. He, he collaborated with Marley Marl on it, uh, and uh, it's just it's awesome. Um, and, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I could go on, but I don't know how long I can talk because yeah, you go, guys are going out. Keep going. Yeah, uh, so, yeah, so um, <clears throat> first off, uh, at the beginning of the track, what's really awesome, and he goes, come on, man. Uh, he was, uh, the engineer was taking so long to get oh, everything really? ready, and, and LL was ready. Like, the beat was ready. He was, he wanted <laughs> his to. His shirt was he, off. <laughs> yeah, can you imagine? LL would totally be there with his shirt off. Like, he wanted, he wanted to spit, and he was so frustrated because he just wanted to lay the track down. So that's actually like an. Uh, yeah, and the, audi- and the audio cool. engineer caught that cool. and Marley Marl was like we have to keep yeah, that yeah. Uh, and uh, another thing is that um, the the line don't call it a comeback that he opens with uh, actually it wasn't really a comeback because he had had a really successful initial album but it didn't have a lot of critical acclaim uh, and uh, he really only got a lot of mainstream play when he met up with Marley Marl and they, they collaborated on a remix of his track Jingling Baby uh, and then you know they got together again well, for knock you out isn't off his second album. Uh, no, I think it's like his third album. I feel like it's even later. Than Is it? I feel like that. Mm-hmm. It I'm could be sure. because because it, it was uh, it was Walking with a Panther was the album that he had Jingling Baby on. Okay. And then uh, and there what was the the first one was like. Uh, what's that? The first one called that's like the one with like uh, 
Can't live without Boomer my radio. radio. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Hmm. You know what? I, I, I don't recall, honestly, right, unfortunately. It, Julian, are you looking it up? Yeah. My yeah. favorite thing about LL Cool J is that, just because I remember hearing this at the time and it was hilarious, is he had a press conference to tell everyone that he was addicted to porn. Really? <laughs> oh, wow. It's just like, why are you telling people? Like, no way. Oh, and the, the hook in, yeah. in the track, the in the background, the other thing I wanted to tell you about was the hook, which is really awesome, yeah, 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 yeah. which is, uh, I think it's a Sly and the Family Stone track. It was, was, it? was yeah, it? and it's, uh, um, it's like, a, oh, I can't remember it off the top of my head now, but it's got Funky Drummer in the background and all the all the typical, like, cuts yeah, yeah, that yeah. they used built on an Ableton back in the day, right? It's or Ableton now, and then the old the album. old machines back in the day. Yeah. yeah. Fourth album. There you go, fourth album. But uh, I think it's a solid track. I, I think it's a it's a Kumo D disc track. I think, if I rem- remember I correctly, because right. they had a lot of beef uh, at the time. But uh, either way, it's a it's a really cool piece of hip hop history, and there's a lot of cool uh, collaboration and stuff behind it. So I really like it. Did you guys see that? Um, maybe this is too rap nerdy for you guys, but did you see that Cannabis and LL Cool J squashed their beef finally? What no. after like twenty years or whatever? <laughs> yeah. yeah. From nineteen, yeah, nineteen ninety six. Cannabis is like alive. <laughs> yeah, who knew, right? Actually, cannabis was a because you know that the those King of the Dot. I saw it. It was battles. horrible. Do you know no, what that is? No. I, I saw so, the video on YouTube. I know you. So like rap you. battling has evolved into this thing where it's like people who, who just they have they come in with written verses and it's all acapella. Oh, There's no yeah. beats or anything. Yeah, yeah. And it's it's fucking like I hate it, but it's huge. It's like probably bigger than battling has ever been. Like, well, you see those videos and there's like 100, 200, 300 people. Yeah, in the crowd. and some it's of crazy. these guys are like making careers out of yeah. it. Hmm. But anyway, so like cannabis like came to Toronto, was it? I think it was. In Toronto. I think it was Toronto, and he was just like he kept fucking up and stumbling. Did he pull out then, a notebook like, at one point? Yeah, he pulled out like a notebook and like yeah. still couldn't come up with anything. Yeah. It was oh. really embarrassing to yeah. watch. Mm. It's but, tough. Um, you know, it's not. Uh, I remember him being on it's... Much Music back in the day when his album came out, and yeah. he would be like on the internet rap battling, like text battling with people. <laughs> I used to do that. Um, I used to go to uh, internet. This is like the early days of the internet. I mean, obviously can't rap, but I thought it'd be funny to go on there and challenge everyone as if I could rap. Yeah, they used they used to happen. And I would write the most ridiculous, non-rhyming, like talking about peanut butter for like seventeen paragraphs, (laughs) (laughs) and people get so mad. It was amazing. So weird, like (laughs) Sam the perennial troll. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, let's listen to LL Cool J. People are sick of hearing us talk. All right, thanks for coming, everybody. Yeah, for sure, it was awesome. Come on, man.